0: Thank you, Ken, for that. Thank you for being here today. This is a very special day in the life of our church as we come to, once again, All Saints Sunday. If you have a Bible, please turn to Hebrews 11, the text that was read for us earlier. We're going to start in verse 32. They go into chapter 12 here in just a moment. If you want to follow along in a pew Bible, that'll be page 1196, 1196, Hebrews 11. As it's already been mentioned, the church from the first century until now has held this belief that those who have gone before us are in a mysterious sense still with us and that their lives speak to us. And as we come to this day, All Saints Sunday, we remember those who have finished their race over this past year. But it raises the question for us, and that question is, what does this day mean? What is this day all about? Who are these saints? Where have they gone? What are they doing right now? I think the big question is, is what should we do in response to their lives? You see, the church's language for this is we believe in this great cloud of witnesses that we see here in Hebrews 12 1. They lived out their faith faithfully and now they're in the presence of God. They are those who rest from their earthly labor and are are experiencing currently this unfiltered holiness of heaven. In this very moment, while they are absent from their bodies, which lie in some state in some place here on the earth, they are before the Lord waiting that day of glorious resurrection. And that day... That, that will be the day when all wrongs are made right. That will be the day when we receive glorified bodies that will not be corrupted by sin or the consequences of sin. That will be a day when we're all united as one in Christ and we will see Christ in all of his glory. We as Christians believe that human history is moving toward this glorious end where Jesus is seen and known and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. We believe that. And that day will come, but until that day, we remember. We remember those who have gone before us, who have finished their race. We remember also that there is this spiritual union that we have with them. Charles Wesley penned the hymn in 1759 entitled, Let Us Join Our Friends Above. That was the title. He said this, one of the lines in that hymn was, Let saints on earth unite to sing with those to glory gone. For all the servants of our King in earth and heaven are one. There, Charles is speaking to this mystery that the church here on earth, those of us who are still continuing on our journey, while we are here, we believe that a part of us has already to glory gone. But we unite with them in singing praises to who this God is. We testify. To Jesus, and their lives have done so beautifully. So, the question for me today is how do we respond? Is this simply another day where we rekindle some grief within us? Is this another day when we stir up sorrow? Is this another day where we feel compelled to just cling to some memories of the past? Or is this a different kind of day for us as a church? Why take a week out and pause things that we are normally doing in normal rhythms for this day? Well, what if today is a day for us to pause in the busyness of our lives and of our schedules, even our church schedule? What if today was a day where we would forego our sense of urgency and simply let the past speak to us once again? Simply let the lives of these people, these people we see in this still photograph. And those of us who knew them, multiple people, some of them very well, some of them maybe not so much, but we let their lives speak to us once again. What if today is the day when we pause and remember that we do have a great cloud of witnesses here. And by witness, it does not mean they're watching us, it means they witness to us, they teach us. They are teaching us something, because now they have gone before us. In fact, I believe they teach us three things. I believe when we come to this day every year and we look back and we remember those who have gone before us, there are three things that they teach us. We see it here in Hebrews 11. The first thing is this. Those who have gone before us, they teach us about a victorious faith. About a victorious faith. This is the first part of verse 32 to the first part of verse 35. It says, and what more shall I say, the writer of Hebrews says, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith Conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, received back, women received back their dead by resurrection. Right there, he's talking about the victorious side of our faith, where we are overcomers, we are more than conquerors through Christ. And notice who he's talking about. He's talking about the judges. The judges. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, he's talking about the kings, he mentions David, he's talking about the prophets, he mentions Samuel, the first prophet, and others. And notice what they did. Notice that through their faith, their victorious faith, they conquered human enemies, but not only human enemies, it says that women received back their dead by resurrection, Even in the judges and the kings and the prophets, we see this glimpse of what was to come, that Jesus was going to come and he was going to be the resurrected one, conquering the last enemy, which is death itself. And all of those who have walked before us throughout the Old Testament, throughout church history, and even over this past year, they have all shown us this, that we have a victorious faith. And again, these still photographs that just go up for four seconds and five frames or whatever it is on a screen, these still photographs are so much more. They speak to us about a victorious life. Some of their victories were small, some of them were big, but they were victories none the same. Victorious faith. And as you look back and you see those pictures, it's testimony after testimony about how God has overcome how God did miracles through their lives. And see, here's the thing. Many of us sitting in the room right now, particularly in this service, we don't recognize a lot of those people. And that's okay. But we recognize them today. We acknowledge them because here's the thing, guys. You wouldn't be sitting here if it wasn't for them and you never knew them. This building wouldn't be here if it wasn't For them, living out their faith, a victorious faith before us. The second thing that these people teach us, not only about a victorious faith, but also about a persevering faith. A persevering faith, a faith that continues to move us forward, a faith that does not stop in the face of adversity, a faith that does not roll over and give up. You see, while in Hebrews 11, all these people are listed about this victorious faith throughout the past and throughout the Old Testament, all of a sudden it shifts midway through verse 35. It says some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. That's resurrection language. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. Verse 37, they were stoned They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves. On the earth. Notice this major shift from this victorious faith, it seems like it's always advancing and always winning, to this persevering faith that's needed. And the truth is, in life, we need both. There are going to be these moments when it's as if we're living out this victorious life, and then there's going to be moments where life just gets so hard. And that's when we have to persevere. And notice what they're persevering towards. They're persevering anticipating a resurrection, that they would rise again to a better life. They're persevering anticipating a home in heaven. The world was not worthy of them. What an amazing line. That these people who have gone before us, that have paved the way for us, that the world was not worthy of them because of the way they persevered and lived out their faith. Perseverance itself is is somewhat of a victory. It's a victory in and of itself because when we persevere, we push through. And what we say when we push through is that the enemy is not going to win today. When we continue to persevere and we push through, we're saying circumstances are not going to win today. When we continue to persevere and push through, we're saying the diagnosis of this broken, fallen body are not going to win today. You see, it's in those moments where a victory, where our faith is inspired, sure, but it's in moments of perseverance when our faith is built. The people that you see on a, that you saw on a screen today, these are people who persevered in beautiful ways. Beautiful ways. I know many of their stories. And day after day, going through hardship after hardship, they just stayed faithful to the Lord who was faithful to them. And their lives speak to us about a victorious faith, yes, but also a faith that perseveres. But the third thing that I offer you is this. To those who have gone before us today that we celebrate and acknowledge, they teach us about the one who persevered for our victory. They point us forward to the one who persevered for our victory. You see, our faith is not about a what or a thing. It is about a who. It is about a person, and that person is Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. And those who have gone before us, both throughout the Old Testament, throughout church history, even over this last year, they pointed forward for us, pointed forward to him Hebrews 11:39 and 40 all these and all these he says though commended through their faith did not receive what was promised what was promised was the messiah those who have been listed here they didn't see the messiah come since God did not God had provided something better for us he's writing because we saw the messiah that apart from us they should not be made perfect there's a lot going on there but Notice, he said, those that I'm mentioning here, those who are walking in victorious faith, those who are walking in persevering faith, those who pointed us forward to Jesus, they did not get to see him. But we did, and we do. And the promise, again, was around a person And the heroes of our faith throughout the Old Testament in context here, as flawed as they may be, they pointed the people forward that the Messiah one day would come, and then those who we have known, they do the very same thing for us. All those who have gone to be with the Lord over this past year, they too are pointing forward, not to the first coming of Christ, but to the second coming of Christ. And they did that for each and every one of us. And so the question again is, what is our response What is our response to all of this? How do we honor the memory and the legacy of the saints who we knew and loved? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, the very next verse. Therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore, you need to know what it's there for. That's good, huh? Some of y'all are going to use that this week. I know it. Therefore, because we have this, these people who have shown us what victorious faith looks like, because we have these people who've shown us what persevering faith looks like, because we have these people who have pointed us forward toward the Messiah, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses to victorious faith, persevering faith, and the Messiah, that's what they witness to, here's the response. Let us. Let us do something. Let us respond in some way. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And it's implied in verse two. Let us look to Jesus, the founder and perfector of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, persevering and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Victorious. You know, Jesus does not ask us to go through anything that he's not already gone through. I think right here is our answer. How do we honor those who have gone before us? How do we honor their life and their legacy? Three simple things. We leave some things behind. Not our memories, no. We leave behind the sin, the weight, the things that slow us down. And then we honor them by running our race. They've already finished their race. And now the torch has been passed to us and we have to choose whether or not we're going to take that up and continue to run or not because we can give up. The question is, are we going to run and live out a victorious faith and a persevering faith and day after day after day, we're going to continue to be faithful. We honor their lives by looking to Jesus just as they did. Just as they kept their eyes on Jesus each and every day, and on those days when they realized their eyes were not on Jesus, they drug them back. Just as they lived their life constantly, continually looking to Jesus and pointing us to Jesus, the question is, will we do the same? Will we do the same? You see, while we celebrate those who have gone before us, one day my picture and your picture is gonna be on that screen. And the question is, did we do what these people have done for us did we pick up the torch and move forward did we pass it on to others did we do everything we can to lay aside the things that slow us down did we do everything we can to run the race that is before us did we look to him day after day and tell others they could as well will we what I love about All Saints Sunday is, is this moment where we get to look back and remember and celebrate those who have gone before us. And at the same time, we once again hear the challenge that it's now our turn. Until we breathe our last, it is our turn to be the church. And here's the thing being a part of the church, you don't get to sit on the sidelines, no one does. We don't get to just cheer from a distance. No, we are called to be a part to take up the flame, the torch that has now been passed to us and we run with it. So while we remember, we are also challenged. While we remember, we are also challenged today. Will we be found faithful? We can do the same in communion. If you would, get your communion elements out. If you don't mind. If you're watching online on television. If you have some juice, or a cracker. See, in communion, we do the same thing that we're doing today. We look back. We remember something that happened. And then in that remembrance, we receive the grace we need to continue to move forward. And today, as we think about all of those who have gone before us, can you imagine Can you imagine what they're seeing now? We take simple bread or whatever this wafer's made out of. (laughs) Just saying, I've had a bunch of them. But we take a simple wafer. We ask God to bless it. And in so doing, we remember that Jesus' body was broken for us. And then we just take simple juice. And we say, God, would you bless it? And then we just remember that Jesus' blood was shed for us. And in this moment, we have the audacity to believe that God meets us here in this place. And that he gives us the grace that we need. Not just for this moment, but for the next moment. And the next moment, and the next moment, and then in just a few moments, you get to actually leave the building. And then in that moment, he's going to be with you. And then you go to lunch, and he's going to be with you there. Then you're going to go home, and some of you are going to take a really good nap. And he's going to be with you there. And we believe that God gives us the grace we need. When we look back, he gives us the grace and the strength we need to go forward. And he sends us out. And just as those who have gone before us did week after week, month after month, year after year, we get to go out today and walk in their footsteps because of this, because of what Jesus has done. And the footsteps that we follow in, we're all just walking, trying to place our feet where Jesus has placed his feet. And so, Lord, we thank you for simple bread Lord, we thank you because it means so much and in this moment we receive all that we need to continue to carry the torch that's been passed on to us once again this year. So Father, we look back and we remember the body that was broken for us and God, with humble hearts we say thank you. Thank you. This is the body of Christ broken for you. Take it and eat. And Father, we thank you for simple juice. Because once again, it means so much to us, so much more. This represents the blood of Christ that was shed for each and every one of us. The the blood that can wash away our sins. God, we could not do this on our own. We needed you. So Lord, as we partake of this cup, we say thank you. Thank you for sending your son to shed his blood on our behalf so that we can be who it is your son died for us to be. So Lord, we thank you for the blood of Christ shed for us. Take it and drink. So Lord, we thank you for this holy and sacred moment. It's so simple and yet so profound. And Lord, I pray, as we sing once more, we lift our voices, we will be so aware that in this moment, we are singing with the choir of heaven. That we are singing with the saints who have gone before us declaring how holy and worthy and mighty and glorious is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Lord, as we sing, would your spirit come and inspire and encourage our hearts today. Father, we love you. We really do. We thank you for loving us. We pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said. Amen. Would you please stand?